0: And welcome to She Thinks, a podcast where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg. And on today's episode, it's an honor to have on Shannon Bream, who joins us to talk about a wide range of issues. She's going to share her thoughts on the latest in Israel and what it means for the U.S. And she'll also give us insights into her day-to-day life as anchor of Fox News Sunday. And finally, we're going to discuss her new book, The Women of the Bible Speak. It's a New York Times bestseller and a book that provides wisdom and insights that can help all of us in our own lives. And before we jump into the conversation. As I mentioned, Shannon Bream is the anchor of Fox News Sunday, but she is also Fox News Channel's chief legal correspondent and host of Living the Bream, a podcast where she shares inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. It's not like you have a lot on your plate, Shannon. Thank you so much for making the time to join us on Chief Things today. We appreciate it. Beverly, it is my pleasure to be with you. And I want to first start with the hard news of the week. I want to let our listeners know we are recording this on a Thursday. This podcast is released, of course, on a Friday, every Friday. But just wanted to talk with you about the horrific attack on Israeli citizens by Hamas. Um, In the past week, I know you've covered this issue on your show on Sunday. There is wall-to-wall coverage on all the major news stations. As you approach your show this coming Sunday, how are you looking at the situation? And really, what is it like to cover the news? when it is so heart-wrenching.
1: Yeah, I think for all of us seeing these pictures and photos and videos, and for a lot of people, they have to look away. I think all of us, I I got to a point the other night where I had to stop watching some of this because you want to bring people the totality, the reality of what's happening. Um, We've got amazing correspondents on the ground, including Trey Yankst, who had a, a tweet that summed it up a couple of nights ago. He said, these are the things that have happened. He outlined the atrocities and said, don't look away. You can't look away at what's happening. So I think all of us in the media feel we have an obligation to tell people factually the news that we get it and as we confirm it uh, to get it out there. And so it is, I think, for a lot of folks all consuming. So trying to find the balance between doing our jobs, um, but also taking a little bit of an emotional breather when we need to. I think that's probably what everybody needs to do. Yeah, I,
0: of course, a lot of us are watching the news nonstop, looking on Twitter as well, just to seeing what's out there. And I thought it was interesting that you see Israel has decided to put a lot of new images out there that they've gathered gathered on the ground. Horrific images, even families saying, please show these images to the world. I'm not sure I've quite seen families want the images spread like I have before. I, I think it just is a sign of how horrific it was. Has it shocked you that families have said that?
1: Yeah, because I think all of us, um, I think back to my local news reporting days when you would show up and a family has been in a real crisis, somebody's been hurt, they've been killed. And you're just very sensitive to what they want. And most of them absolutely shut down and, of course, would not want those personal things shared. They don't want to be on camera talking about that. But I think here it is so widespread. Um, I have friends who live and are there on the ground and they say, you know, please try to remember what 9-11 felt like for America. We want people to be held accountable. We want people to know the reality of what's happened here. So to have family members and loved ones Willing to allow these stories and these images shared should tell us a lot about just the widespread grief and shock uh, and anger and frustration that is just the reality there on the ground.
0: And as you approach this Sunday show, I know that your show typically, well, very informative, has an upbeat nature to it because you're an upbeat person. Obviously, this is a very somber time. You do set the table for your guests to Mm -hmm. give their opinions. Any opinion you want to give on the situation right now and maybe even any thoughts on how long we are going to see this war go on? I know there are a lot of unknowns.
1: Yeah. And and I think in the past, Israel has had some really decisive victories that have happened in a relatively short period of time. So people think about those historic victories and think, They're a powerful country. They are equipped and ready because they live in a very dangerous neighborhood. But you've heard the prime minister warning this is going to take a long time. It is doubly a nightmare because there are people who've been taken hostage of all different nationalities. That includes Americans. We think, I mean, at this moment, they're missing. They could be among those we know Israelis have been taken. And so the the question becomes uh, these evildoers, essentially, um, they want to incite even more terror by putting out videos of those people begging for their lives. They say they're going to put out videos of executing these people. So I pray for wisdom for leaders around the world and especially for Bibi Netanyahu and that um, coalition government they're putting together there because they have to make exceptionally difficult decisions about Gaza and the people who are there who don't support Hamas, who want nothing to do with Hamas. Hamas does not represent them. And yet that's where they live and work. And so they're going to be caught in the middle of this just as Israeli civilians have been um, absolutely attacked at multiple fronts, um, I do think this is something that's going to take longer than we would all like to see.
0: And of course, the way it's covered, it's going to be unfolding just as a new unfolds. And I, I want to transition just to your job of reporting stories. You, of course, don't just cover the news of the day, but you have an expertise in the legal side. I love your on the ground reporting when the Supreme Court has some Supreme Court decisions. How did you decide to get into this career? Mm -hmm. Was this something you always wanted to do or did the open
1: doors just lead to this? I just, well, I had some doors slammed in my face and I did have some open. So I think like everybody, your career trajectory is never exactly what you think it's going to be. I mean, I went to law school and practiced law for a few years, but all that time I was a complete news junkie, a current events junkie. And while my legal career, I was so grateful for it and it was a great, stable, wonderful career and profession I didn't have a passion for it, but I did have a passion for news and storytelling. And so I went on a very circuitous route. I mean, I interned at night at an ABC station in Tampa where I was practicing law. And towards the end of that internship, I I went to my boss there at the TV station and said, listen, I'm going to leave my law practice and get into news. And he said, no one has offered you a job, which was true. But I was really stepping out on faith. And so I got that first job there, 2 a.m. to 11 a.m answering phones, making coffee, eventually working the teleprompter, writing scripts for the morning show. As each new opportunity would come, I'd sort of learn it like trial by fire. And there were kind people there who... Um, would take me alongside and say, clearly you don't know exactly what you're doing with TV. You didn't study any of this, but they would offer me help. They would coach me through things. And it was very kind of them to do that when I had nothing literally to offer in return. So eventually that boss put me on air and said, hey, listen, if every other reporter is tied up and we have something breaking, we may send you. So I started getting to do little things on air while I was still doing that two to 11 a.m. shift with all those other responsibilities. And then I came in one day, my boss and his boss were gone. It was a complete management change. And the new guy called me in a couple of weeks later and said, I don't know why anyone put you on TV. You're literally the worst person I've ever seen on TV. You're never going to make it in this business. And he added a few more punches to the gut and I lost my first TV job. So it was a really hard wake up call for me. Am I committed to this? Can I look at myself realistically and see boy, you got a lot to learn. And I always think there's room for improvement. So it took a long time, months, but I finally got another job in Charlotte, North Carolina, made lifelong friends, kept learning there, and then uh, got called to NBC4 here in Washington. And while I was there, I also met Brit Hume and Fox had taken off by that point. I've been trying to get my foot in the door. But when I met Britt, and he found out that I was a lawyer, he needed someone to cover the Supreme Court as Megyn Kelly had moved to New York to do a show with Bill Hemmer and the rest is history. Have you ever spoken to that boss again who fired you? I haven't, but you know, in the weeks afterwards when I was so humiliated and it really was a humbling experience, I would not have asked for it, but it did teach me a lot of lessons. But during that time, my husband and I were out for a jog one day at a very popular stretch there in Tampa. If you know at all about Bayshore Boulevard runs along the water there, people rollerblade and kids and all that stuff. And so we were out there running and I saw that boss. I ran into him and- kept my head down, kept going, and I said to my husband, once we were a safe distance away, I said, that was, and I said the name, and he said, just wait right here. I want to go back and have a word with him, and I basically jumped on his back like, no, no, no. (laughs) That's water under the bridge. We got to let that go. My husband is a very chill person, so I don't think he was going to make good on that, Um, but that's the only time I've seen him since then.
0: What what lesson do you think that that taught you? So uh, obviously there are hard lessons. It can be humiliating. It can make one doubt themselves. But you kept persevering. What lessons did you
1: learn from that? Well, one thing is that your job can't be your identity. I'm a person of faith, and so for me it was very convicting that it, it that it had become all consuming. It's very easy because this is a twenty four hour a day job to find yourself and find yourself worth in it. But it reminded me that any job, including this one I do now, I mean, it could be over today. And so you have to build relationships for me, strengthening my faith. I have to find that that's where I find my identity and my worth. So it was a reminder to me, like your job's not going to love you back and it can disappear very quickly. But um, if you believe in something, you believe you have a passion planted in your heart Um, be realistic with yourself about these setbacks. What can you learn from them? Where can you improve? I had a lot of room for all of that.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people watch you on TV or other people on TV and think that it's such a glamorous job. And don't get me wrong, I think there's a lot of glamour to it, but it's a lot of hard work. I'm glad you talked about that shift that you had when you were in Tampa from 11 to 2 a.m. So many hard shifts, so many early mornings, even the, the Um, position that you had before Fox News Sunday. It was a midnight to 1 Mm a.m. TV slot that you did every day. How do you handle the full schedule and what is
1: day-to-day life like for you? It's really different every day. Um, I I technically work Wednesday to Sunday. That's with my team for Fox News Sunday. But I also cover the Supreme Court, which holds arguments Monday and Tuesday. So depending on what cases they're covering, some days or seven days a week. But I love what I do and I'm really grateful to do it. So we do podcasts. I have one I record. I'm on other people's. Um, I do hits for the different shows during the week on legal issues and anything else that pops up. So um, there's a ton of research I do for Fox News Sunday and a big part of our week is spent Booking guests. We're negotiating with the White House right now over who will join us on Sunday. I feel very confident they'll give us someone to join on the issues of Israel and beyond. So it's always kind of um, what is is today going to be about? What does it bring? Um, Try to do mentoring with young people and and keep in touch with college students who've come through our college associate program. Go over tapes with them as they are putting together their reels and trying to get their start in the business. So um, every day is a little bit different, but as much as I think it's going to be A quiet or routine day. There's really not a routine day. And um, I'm grateful for that. I I always tell people if you want to get into media and do these kinds of things, um, if you're a little ADD, which I clearly am, it is good. You, You will never be bored because the clock just, the hands seem to spin and fly around as you try to get things done, which for me is different than when I was a lawyer. I would look at that clock and it never seemed like it moved. And it's also helpful to have a supportive spouse who understands that at the drop of
0: the dime, you have to leave it, leave mid-dinner to go work, right?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, the with the advent of COVID was so horrible and destructive. And I think we'd still all bear the scars of that and losing people that we loved and impact on our jobs, our children, all of that. But one of the things that came about from that is that most of us have home studios now. For doing work whether it's a podcast or tv broadcast but that makes us more accessible too and in some ways that's been a good thing because um the night that the news broke that justice ginsburg had died we always knew that her health was not great but we didn't know she was that close to passing away but to be able to walk away from the dinner table and run to the basement and start reporting um you know COVID changed the way that we are able to get news out and and do it very quickly so if there are any silver linings, and it's hard to see that there were, um, it really has changed our capabilities and our ability to reach people around the world, knowing that if they can get in front of a, a an iPhone or a Zoom call or something else, um, we can really get news out much more quickly.
0: COVID really did change the landscape of broadcasting. I know that prior to COVID, unless you lived in Washington, D.C. or New York, it wasn't likely that you were going to be on one of the cable shows. I actually have my studio behind me. That's what you see mm-hmm. in the background right here that I use for Fox. And it's in my basement, so I'm like you. Do most of the, the Fox anchors have their own studio? Obviously, you're going into the studio for mm-hmm. your Sunday show, but
1: do most of the hosts have their own show, or their own studio at home? You know, we all most of us were pretty resistant in the beginning, but I remember being told, oh, it's only going to be for two weeks. So for us, it's one of our guest rooms. And now here we are three and a half years later. And I'm like, well, I kind of like the convenience of it now, because when there are those breaking news things, we need to add hours a day or night. Um, You know, it's very helpful. So most of us have kept some ability to broadcast from home um, that we still have capable.
0: So let me ask you this question before we move on to your book. A lot of women talking about trying to have this healthy balance of work and family and just general life. Do you find that you have found that balance or is it just every day is a little different and you love what you do? And so for you, that is balance.
1: Yeah. I mean, I haven't mastered that, I don't think. And um, I got asked this question when I was speaking before an audience this week, and I kind of looked at my husband like... He's looking at me like, don't lie and act like you have found balance because he'll say either I'm asleep or I'm 100 miles an hour. There's really not anything in between because I love to work hard and play hard. Um, But listen, he is, as you said, you've got to have an understanding spouse if you do something like this or partner, because it is all consuming in some points. But, you know, when we can take a break and we can go away, we really try to shut things down and um, take a couple vacations a year where we're like, all right, let's be in a different time zone. Let's not turn these phones on if they work or they don't. Great. But knowing that when we're here and we're in the thick of it, um, the job requires a lot of commitment. And I do that joyfully. So, you know, like I said, the other night, there are times I have to step away. Um, I, I said to my husband the other night with everything that's going on, I said, I really, really just want to decorate the house for Christmas and turn on a Hallmark movie. And he's like, I'm gonna probably have to put a pause on that. But I understand where you're coming from. Because <laughs> sometimes you just need a little bit of an escape. I'm well, still I'm- on those decorations, though.
0: Right, and, and and as you mentioned earlier, you are a woman of faith. I believe, if I'm correct, you
1: after your Sunday show you go straight to church, right? I do. If I time it exactly right, yeah. Um, it, the church that's in our neighborhood that we go to the majority of the time um, starts at ten thirty. So our show is is live and over at ten. Um, there are other things we do post show, but I'm like they can wait till after church. So what I do is I swing in, and grab my husband. Um, drive us to the church and we pull in about 1028 1029 we can find a pew to sit in um, and it just puts everything in perspective for us and so let's talk about
0: the reason why you wrote this book the women of the bible speak the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today why did you decide to write this book
1: Listen, I got to give Fox credit for this. They said, we are thinking about doing something in this space, a book that's about religion, uh, that's about women. We know this is a priority in your life. Would you be interested in tackling this book? And I thought, oh, my goodness, um, I normally would say, let me think about it and see if I can work with my schedule. And I immediately <laughs> said yes. And it's been the biggest blessing because. Um, You know, it came out during COVID and people were really searching. I think they were more open to finding purpose and and looking at ideas of faith. Um, And so often, I think people, we know a lot of the strong leaders and men from the Bible, from Moses to Joseph to Paul, I mean, all over the place. Um, And these stories about women are absolutely just as clear and vibrant all throughout the Bible. But to focus on them, I learned all these stories growing up in Sunday school and in church and all of those places but I found that there was so much more about these women I didn't know. So it was a joy and a gift to me to do this study and put together this book. And, um, you know, to the spinoff now, mothers and daughters of the Bible speak and love stories of the Bible speak. And um, we're just really grateful that, you know, people have, have responded in the way that they have. And um, just when I hear feedback from people about how it changed their life or their faith or their marriage, um, that's just the greatest, most humbling gift in the world.
0: And one of the things I think is so interesting, and and you even mentioned this as one of the reasons why you wrote it, is that women actually play a very strong mm-hmm. role in the Bible. So I think sometimes people have this misperception that it's men who are honored and women are kind of subservient in mm-hmm. second place. God used women in so mm-hmm. many different ways. They're central figures in so many of the different biblical tales. What is maybe a nugget or two that you can share with us, something that you Maybe we're never taught just because it was not the main part of the story or a woman we don't usually focus on that really spoke to you.
1: You know, I got to know Deborah a lot more from the Old Testament and the fact that if you think women were second class citizens in the Bible, she busts up every myth about that because she was actually the leader of Israel, the nation of Israel when we meet her. In the Bible. So she's she is a judge. She's deciding disputes, but she's also sort of a theological leader and also just the overall leader of the country. And so she believes God has told her uh, you're to go into battle against the Canaanites, which was this way, you know, uh, this enemy for them that had been oppressive to them, that had been essentially terrorist to them. And they were so outmanned, outgunned. They didn't have the chariots. They didn't have any of the weapons. So on paper, this probably made no sense that Israel would go after them. But she went to the head of her army, a man named Barak, and she said, "Um, God's called us to go into this battle. And he's like, I don't really want to do that. Um, I'm not going to do it unless you go with me. So then she becomes a military leader, too, leads them into battle. It's a complete routing of the Canaanites of this um, group that was oppressing the Israelites. And it turns out there are these songs in the streets as the Israelis are celebrating. That Jewish nation at that time, celebrating. And so she apparently writes songs and is a worship leader too. Um, you know, if there's CrossFit maybe at her <laughs> at her temple, she was leading that too. I mean, Deborah was doing all kinds of things and she really um puts to lie um the the conception that women were not critical leaders in the Bible. Who is this book for? Is it just for women, or do you encourage men out there to read it as well? You know what, I mean, of course, there are men woven through these stories too. I had a man several months ago at church actually stop me after church and say, my men's group decided to women of the Bible speak. It's also got a workbook as do all the books with them. And he said, we wanted to do it as kind of an, I think his mother had passed away. And he said, in honor of our moms, our daughters, our wives, we wanted to learn more about these women. And I was just so encouraged that a men's group would take this on, you know, the latest book, love stories of the Bible speak. I've had many couples come to me and say that they're doing it together as a dating couple or husband and wife. So, um, yeah, I think it's, there are nuggets and wisdom for everybody.
0: Well, it is called The Women of the Bible Speak, The Wisdom of 16 Women and Their Lessons for Today. I encourage people to get it and read it. I have read yet to read it, but I have it, and I'm excited to open it. So thank you so much for your work on that and just all that you do and, and be an encouragement to women. Women, I know that I've always enjoyed chatting with you when I've done your show or even through Twitter. Not everybody is kind who is a host on TV, but you are one of the kindest. Everybody who I know that works for you loves working for you as well. So that's just a, a testament to your your faith and who you are as a person. And we so appreciate your time today.
1: Beverly, thank you so much. And I hope you'll be back with us soon. We'd love to. And thank you all for joining us.
0: Before you go, IWF wants you to know that we rely on the generosity of supporters like you. An investment in IWF fuels our efforts to enhance freedom, opportunity, and well-being for all Americans. So please consider making a small donation to IWF by visiting iwf.org backslash donate. That is iwf.org backslash donate. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or review. It does help, and we'd love it if you shared this episode so your friends can know where they can find more She Thinks. From all of us here at to IWF. Thanks for watching.